You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Many of us, when we go through circumstances, pray that it would end. Oh, take this from me, Lord. I don't want this pain any longer. I can't stand it. Get rid of it. I don't want to be in this problem. I don't want to have these bills. I don't want to be in this bad relationship. Whatever's happening, we pray. Take it from me. Maybe it's the Lord will that you go through this so that he can minister to you during the midst of the circumstance and that he can get peace in the midst of the circumstances. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that when struggles and trials come your way, what do you do? You probably pray to God to take it away. But take into consideration what if God has allowed this trial to come into your life? What if he's using it to teach you something? Well, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges, chapter 16, as he begins his message, The Light That Failed. This portion of Judges will be in Judges 16. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Judges 16. We're going to be talking about Samson. And I've entitled this session, The Light That Failed. The Light That Failed. So we'll get into this if you can find your way. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get you one. And you can follow along. But I know that you guys are all well-equipped with your swords and ready to do what battle. So we said previously, that Samson was a man of unparalleled potential. You know, if you're a baseball player and you get that word on you, potential usually means that you're going to struggle and not do very well in the future because you know, that guy had a lot of potential, but unfortunately he didn't come to mind. We studied in, in chapter 13 that Samson was a, a shining light born into a godly home. His mom and dad dedicated him and consecrated him to the Lord from the day he was born. He had been called by God for a significant ministry for the nation of Israel. Even before he was born, God had told, the angel of the Lord had told Samson's mother and father that he was called of God. But he could have done so much more than what he accomplished. The once brilliant light that he had been we saw it began to flicker, started to dim a little bit as Samson gave in to his passions. He succumbed to the lust of the flesh. He succumbed to the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Many think that his life can be summarized with one word, mediocre. But before we criticize him too much, We must remember, we must remember that even though he had missed opportunities, we read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that he was one of the few men who were inducted to the hall of faith. He's one of the few men that were mentioned. And what does this tell me? This tells me that although my estimation of Samson may be one thing, it's God's estimation of Samson that counts. 
The Lord saw something in Samson and placed him in a very special select group. See, faith did not give Samson victory over his circumstances. But as we see, it was faith that gave Samson victory in the midst of his circumstances. I think that's important. Many of us, when we go through circumstances, pray that it would end. Oh, take this from me, Lord. I don't want this pain any longer. I can't stand it. Get rid of it. I don't want to be in this problem. I don't want to have these bills. I don't want to be in this bad relationship. Whatever's happening, we pray. Take it from me. Maybe it's the Lord wills that you go through this so that he can minister to you during the midst of the circumstance and that he can get peace in the midst of the circumstances and he would be glorified and he would shine through in the midst of the circumstances so someone would say, wow, you're going through one whale of a time right now, but look at your countenance. Look at the way you carry yourself and you're constantly giving glory to the Lord. I want that, God. I want that, Lord. Kind of a scary thing when you think about it. Ringing in my ears when I read this was Jesus' words to his disciples. Could you not wait and pray one hour? Oh, the spirit is so willing, but the flesh is so weak. Then Paul writes in Galatians 5.16, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What does he mean by walking in the Spirit? It means to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in that power. To have your heart and your mind set on the things of the Spirit. In Colossians 3 verse 2 it says, Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And in verse 18 of of Galatians 5, Paul says that if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In his letter to the church of Rome, we've already studied it in in chapter 8. But as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There's no way anyone can feel the lust of the flesh as they walk in the Spirit. The The two simply don't go together. The Holy Spirit doesn't move into us to gratify our fallen desires and passions, but to teach us about Jesus and to guide us into Jesus' arms. This is the key to righteous living, living in the Spirit, not living under the domination of the law or giving in to the flesh. Walking in the Spirit is the key, but it doesn't come easily. If I ever stand up here and tell you that the Christian life is an easy life to follow, I would be fooling you. It's not as difficult at best. There's only one person that lived the Christian life completely and fully to its utmost. And he's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a battle going inside, Christian. A battle between the flesh and the spirit. Paul writes, they're contrary to each other. They don't get along at all. Talk about a bad relationship. They don't get along at all. They despise each other. And when the flesh is winning the battle inside, we do not do the things we want to do. We don't live the way we want to live. But under the Spirit, when the Spirit wins, the fact is that there's a battle should wake us up, should make us aware. If you don't know when you're in a battle, that's a sure way to lose a battle if you don't know you're in one. The fact that a battle teaches that the effort is to walk, required to walk in it takes effort to do this. We cannot be lazy Christians. 
It takes effort to do this. God doesn't just knock over the head with it. We have to seek it. And we have to block out the other things that hinder the walking in the Spirit. This is one of the things that they teach in freedom through Christ. We've got to block the other things out. Sure, our flesh wants those. Sure, our flesh thinks that we have to have those and desires those. But we've got to block that things out. The flesh that Paul's talking about is not really the skin. He's talking about the old man. The old nature of what we were, B.C., before Christ. That old nature wants to rear its head. The one we inherited from Adam. But that old man was crucified on a cross with Jesus Christ. That old man is now dead and gone. Paul says, put on the new man. You are in Christ. Put on the new person. That inner man, the new man. New man that is of the Spirit. And even though the old man was crucified with Christ that is dead and gone... He still influences us through our flesh and we battle against it day and night, day and night until we experience God's final antidote for the flesh. It's a resurrected body. A resurrected body. A resurrected body when we feel that. How do we fight against the flesh? Well, first, Spirit has given us an opportunity to say no. Before the Spirit was in me, I could never say no. But now with the Holy Spirit and the help of the Holy Spirit, I can say no. And we also have to starve the flesh out of the influence. Take the bad influences out of our lives. We need to strengthen ourselves in the Spirit of God and follow His influence. The one you feed the most is going to be the strongest. Feed the flesh. The flesh is going to be the strongest. Feed the Spirit. And the spirit will be the strongest. You're feeding the spirit tonight. I'm sure many of you can think of a lot of things that you could be doing tonight instead of sitting here. But you're here for a specific reason. God wants you here. He's going to minister to you. And you're choosing to sow to the spirit. This is what we do. It'd been 20 years since his last encounter with the Philistines. He had been a judge for 20 years. So as we pick up our story in chapter 16, let's look at the first three verses. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight, then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So Samson once again travels 40 miles from his hometown. He goes 40 miles from his hometown to Gaza. We're not told why he traveled there, but he goes in there and he sees a prostitute and he desires her. Once again, his old passions rear their ugly head and he has to fulfill his lust. He becomes a slave to his lusting flesh. It's remarkable to me and scary that someone who has done mighty works in the power of the Holy Spirit could react in this manner. But sadly, we see it all the time. I know some really, really 
good men of God who were pastors of mighty churches that have fallen flat on their faces because they could not control their passions or their lust. It is extremely sad. Mighty men of God that have been used to plant churches that have become mega churches and have done mighty works in getting the gospel out for Jesus Christ. Many people have been saved by these people. Many people have been saved and come to Jesus Christ because of the teachings that they've done and because of their leadership. But they have fallen flat on their faces because they've given in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. They've given in. They weren't strong enough to battle it. For whatever reason, scares me. Scares me. We must always be on guard. Men, and women. We must always be on guard because Satan would like nothing more than to take any one of you down. Any one of you. And as soon as you come up and say, you know, Pastor Dave, I want to start serving the Lord. Well, the battle ramps up right then. Try to come up on this stage and sing worship with us and watch what happens at the battle. Try to get up here and deliver his word. Watch what happens in the battle. Have a Bible study at your house. Wanting to read the Bible with your spouse or pray with your spouse. Wanting to share God's love with your children. Wanting to teach Sunday school or nursery or whatever and watch the battle ramp up. Satan wants nothing more than to destroy your testimony and destroy what you're doing for God. To take away your credibility. Forget where it is, but for some reason... There's a, there's a scripture, maybe one of you know it, where we're told not to allow the Gentiles to blaspheme against God. We don't want anybody to blaspheme against our God because of us. Woe to us. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. I really think that Samson wanted to be used by God. Now remember, he grew up in a very, very godly family. He grew up with a godly mom and a godly dad, and I'm sure they told him the things that the angel of the Lord had told them. Remember, he was supposed to be a Nazarite? He was supposed to take a Nazarite vow? You can read all about that in number six, what a Nazarite vow was, not to have anything to do with anything dead, not to have anything to do with anything that grew on the vine, and he was never supposed to cut his hair. These were one of the three things of the Nazarite vow. He kept the external features of the Nazarite vow. He never cut his hair. But we saw in chapters before how he went to the vineyard all the time, how he messed with a dead lion. He just basically spit on his Nazarite vow. He sinned blatantly and with a prostitute. Word got out that Samson was there and the Philistines laid wait for him at the gate of the city. But Samson fools them. You know, Samson was a clever guy. He really was. He had clever sayings, riddles and poems. And he always did things to outwit the Philistines. It must have drove them crazy. No wonder they wanted to kill him. But they barred the gate shut. Samson didn't bother. He just walked over, picked up the gates, and took them with him. Victor Manure, or Victor Mature, (laughs) 
I've always called him Victor Manure. Anyhow, Victor Mature went and he picked up the gates of the city and he walked them out. So he picked them up and he carried them. Did he carry them all the way 40 more miles to Hebron? It depends on your translation as to where he carried them. Does, you know, some translations give you the impression that he carried them all the way 40 miles to Hebron. I don't know. Hey. But you can see once again how the Philistines become frustrated with this guy. They become so frustrated with this guy, they can't stand it. They want to capture and they want to kill him. So let's read the bulk of the story now. Let's read the bulk of the story. It's a good story. And you can think of Victor Manure and you can think of Ruth Susan Hayward as, you, as we're reading this story. Wasn't it Susan Hayward? Didn't she play Delilah? I think it was. I don't know for a fact. But anyhow, you can think of that. I'm talking about the 50s movie, you know. Anyhow, let's read the story. Let's read the bulk of the story beginning in verse 4. Afterward it happened that he loved the woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Well, the bribe is placed. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. So Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were laying in wait, staying in her room, with her in, her, in, in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when he touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak. And be like any other man. Therefore, Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off with his arms like a thread. And Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom... So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep, pulled out the batten, and webbed from the loom. <laughs> Is he just playing? I mean, what, you know, he's just joking with her. He's just, he, he, but see, he's falling in the compromise. He, he's playing a game. He's playing a game. Look at 15. Then she said to him, How can you say you love me? And your heart is not with me. You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, 
She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money to it in her hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Wow. The mighty Samson falls. The light fails. The once bright light fails. I want to point out as we go along, the first thing I want to point out is once again, Samson is in enemy territory. Remember we had a long talk about not going where you shouldn't go. There are places we don't belong as a Christian. There are places we shouldn't venture. Unless, of course, we are so led by God that you know it's the Lord leading you there and he sets everything up. But there are places we shouldn't be. I should be hanging out in a strip club. Let's face it, there's a place I shouldn't go. Place I should not go. Greg Laurie tells a story about how once his car broke down and the only place he could find a phone, remember they had phones back then before cell phones, you know, um, was in a liquor store. And he went into the liquor store to make a phone call to call the tow truck and wouldn't you know it when he came out, there was somebody from his congregation there. What does that look like? We talked about liberties. You can talk about liberties all you want. You can talk about liberties, and we talked about liberties, okay? But if you went to Acme, and I was trucking out of Acme with a six-pack under my arm, what would you think? Come on now. I mean, be honest with yourselves. What would you think? Come on. What? Yeah, what the, yeah, I don't think so. You may say what time the party starts, but there's a few of you in here would go, you're the pastor. What are you doing? How dare you as you carry your six pack out? <laughs> Come on. Let's not be hypocrites. Thank you. One of you would be there, smile, taking a picture and putting it on Facebook. <laughs> this is our pastor. Come on. We gotta be, you got to be honest with each other. Come on. You know it and I know it. There are places we shouldn't go. There are places we shouldn't go. I tell this story. I've said, told it before. My very first teaching job was in Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas was my very first teaching job. And I saw, as I was signing a contract and I was reading it through there, there was a clause in this contract. I was signing it as a teacher. The contract said, if any board member or person in administration saw you coming out of a drinking establishment in the city of Fort Worth, you would be terminated immediately. You are when God raised up judges to bring the people of Israel back to himself, he did it in unusual ways. He chose a variety of men and women, strong and timid alike. These judges were given tasks to show God's power to the Israelites and the enemy, and God accomplished his goals in an unexpected fashion each time. 
God can and does use creative ways to reveal who He is, proving that He's the only one who could have made it happen. As you follow God and learn to rely on Him, He will reveal Himself to you as well. It may not be in the ways you'd normally expect, but you can be sure it will be in the way God knows best. Are you praying for God to move in your life? We'd be happy to come alongside you and support you with prayer as well. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased we're able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each new edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of Judges, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to our message today. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word. Pastor Dave will continue to walk verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Judges when you join us next time, right here on Assure Hope.